Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And this week, we're going to be talking about the Galaxy Z Fold 2 with our Ooh. mobile editor, Chris Velasco. It's been a very busy week. There's been so much news. There's news from NVIDIA oh. and Intel, new hardware from everybody. IFA is going on. There's so much stuff, so much news. I am very tired. Sherlyn, are you tired? I, I am not tired because I am dead. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're either dead or tired. Um, you know, so we, the podcast is giving us life. So yes. <laughs> be sure to subscribe to us uh, on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Uh, all your support helps to keep the Engadget podcast going. Drop us an email at podcast at Engadget.com and um, join us live. We do live shows every Thursdays around 10 a.m. Eastern. If you join us live on our YouTube channel, you can ask us questions because there are usually Q&A segments. So that's always a fun thing, right? We love interacting with you guys, honestly. Uh, we know a lot of you are regular listeners, so really appreciate <laughs> the, sh- the, the support. The support. It's too early in the morning for me. <laughs> the Sherport. We really the appreciate the Sherport. All right, let's kick things off by talking about the phone everybody has really been waiting for this year. The second generation of Samsung's big folding devices is Galaxy Z Fold 2. And we have Chris Velasco, our mobile editor here, to chat about it. Chris, how's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, It's been hours since I've spoken to you people. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I hate talking to you so much. No, I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's wow. dropping that real stuff, like, really early on. We're just all tired of each other. This is how it goes. But This week has been insane. What can you talk about? Chris, like what is what is up with the Z Fold 2? So just just to be clear for everyone watching and or listening to this, unlike the situation that we had when we unboxed a service <laughs> duo that we could not turn on, uh, which really just involved two grown men fondling a phone and talking about said phone for like 45 minutes. 40, 45 minutes. Listen, I'm very yes. proud of that because that is exactly <laughs> my brand of just geeking out over things. <laughs> Very, we saw, very we, saw, we got an amazing shot of you sliding that into your pocket. Into my which, pocket. Uh, By the way, so yeah, we did not have a podcast last week, but we did record this <laughs> hands-on on YouTube of the Surface Duo. We can't turn it on, but go check that out. Uh, Galaxy Z Fold 2, though. What's going on there? So this is obviously the second generation uh, Galaxy Fold. And just right off the bat, I mean, I've been using this since we unboxed it. I don't even know how many days Tuesday. ago because time, <laughs> time has no meaning anymore. Yeah. But just like in terms of hardware, literally every issue that I had with the original Galaxy Fold has been more or less fixed here. There are some things that, you know, are, are very much matters of taste that I don't know how I feel about. There's like this very interesting like ridged brush pattern 
uh, along the edges of the phone that kind of make weird grindy sounds when you like sort of prop it up on a table. But generally, I I love this phone. I'm also really quickly reminded of the fact that there's a reason I didn't buy the first yeah. one. Yes. Well, because you're a sane human being, even though you make insane gadget purchases sometimes. I, Chris, you know what? Even I you, even I you did not buy that. More though. I really you used to. That's your brand. It is my brand. Yeah. What's really been interesting for me as just like a person living through COVID is that, and this very might this very well may be like a thing that's specific to us since we just have so much stuff laying around, <laughs> but I don't think it is. Like we, because we're spending so much of our time at home, like we're always within arm's reach of sure. like a laptop or a desktop yeah. or a TV. Yeah. Like the need for a gigantic screen with you all of the time is for me at least a fraction of what it used to be so immediately like this thing is an absolutely beautiful device it is a feat of engineering for sure and it's one that i personally can't imagine needing for right. a good couple of years at least now <laughs> yep yep i was like everyone was super hype about this i'm like i still don't need a tablet just yet like I um, have been spending some time with a duo. I think I can say that. And mm -hmm. I, I can't talk much about my impressions about it, but I'm struggling to find the situation where like a, a phone can't do what I need it to do. And I need like a bigger interface, but we'll see. I don't know. Uh, the Z Fold 2 also has a similar proposition, right? V? Yeah. And like the one thing I use the, the fold and I thought I would be using the Z fold two for is, you know, we, I, I take the subway to the office back when there was an office to go to. And like, it's Devendra can attest to this. Like it's, uh -huh. it's a good, like 30 minutes roughly sure. on that subway. Which is, by the way, from, cause V and I used to live in the same neighborhood. That is a fast subway ride compared to what a lot of people in New York have to go through. So for but yeah, sure. 30 minutes. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, 30 minutes, which again, definitely not the worst, but also maybe not the best. Uh, I used to be able to count on just like going in in the morning and like right. cracking open a book and reading something uh, yep. on a full size screen. And then I could just sort of close it up when I got to my stop and had to right. switch it and throw it in my pocket. And, and that by far was my favorite thing to do with the fold. It was, it was a really like it, like the metaphor worked of like folding your book and like closing your book mm -hmm. and folding the fold. And now I, I, I don't take the subway anymore. So <laughs> it's, it's been really weird. Like I've been having the most fun using this big sort of external display, which, you know, the big, the big knock against the original galaxy fold was that you got a screen that was maybe, you yeah. know, two thirds, the size of this thing wedged in the middle of it. Was the, 4 the inch, yeah. It looked ridiculous and it was largely unusable. You could use it to frame up selfies or something <laughs> or like really quickly respond to a text if you hated yourself. But, <laughs> but like this, this by itself is perfectly usable. It's, just, like it's, it's another device. phone. It's another like, phone on top of your folding phone. Yeah. Like I would, I would buy this, this phone. <laughs> I think you can. I think it's called the Galaxy S20. Come on. Well, no, 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 no. It's the Xperia okay. 1. Yeah, it's like oh, the Xperia yeah. or like the like okay. the essential gem before essential went. You would buy that very low phone. Okay. I think so. Because I mean, we uh, I'm sure you guys have heard this too, but at least in the conversations I've had with device makers, like there's there's starting to see a pretty pronounced shift in what people want out of their devices. And right. for some companies, it's they want bigger screens sort of that are more available to them, and that's why foldables kind of make sense. Mm -hmm. And for others, it's like, well the the need for an omnipresent big screen is less for our users so we're moving in a direction where you get this sort of smaller screen all of the time so i it, we're, i think we're starting to see a really interesting like buy or trifurcation in like the approaches people are taking to phone designs and this is like a very maximal phone design like this is the most 
<laughs> I was, it it's, the most, it's the most. It's the most extra phone. So yeah. I was going to say it's the Sherlin phone, but I feel like that's. Kinda, <laughs> oh, I feel like that's. No. I, wow. I, 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 before, I hesitated. I before, to be before, but yeah, before we keep going on down this very dangerous slippery slope, uh, <laughs> let's for our listener. I know we've talked a lot about this device this week, so V and I can feel like we're rehashing some stuff, but. Let's let's take a step back for our listener and explain kind of what the price point for this is and also what are the specs they can expect. So this is a $2,000 smartphone, which admittedly sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there is – so the original Galaxy Fold went on sale for $1,980. So it was basically uh-huh. a $2,000 phone. But for me at least, and, and we talked about this a bit with Ben, our producer yesterday, just the crossing the mental threshold of going from a device that costs – one thousand and several hundred dollars to two thousand dollars. No thanks. Like, that's, yeah. I, I do. I very much do not like that. And the thing that kind of gets me is we'll get to the the phone itself in just a sec. But I do have to point out because our our live stream audience, when we were unboxing thing, was very sort of adamant about it. You know, back when you bought a nineteen hundred and eighty dollar Galaxy Fold, you at least got like a bunch of stuff to kind right. of like ease you into it, right? Like. You were very clearly a well-heeled beta tester for this phone, but at least you got like Galaxy Buds, you got a case, you got like a decent assortment of stuff that you could start using with the phone right off the bat. You get mm-hmm. none of that here, so you don't get headphones of any kind. You, Listen, you basically Samsung you has a, to save money, okay, guys. I, uh, you get a charger. You think headphones grow on trees? You get, you get a SIM ejection tool, and you get a couple pieces of paper saying, you know, don't drink coffee near the phone. Is, like, is, not, it, is it at least a metal SIM ejection tool, or is it plastic? Yeah, it, it is metal. Have you? Oh have you, man, I don't think I've ever seen a plastic. Maybe. SIM Yeah, I've not. I, seen I've seen plastic. them. I've seen some out around. No, yeah. no thanks. <laughs> But yeah, so aside from that, we are looking at a fully, you know, flagship device. It's got a, a trio of 12 megapixel cameras around the back. It uses the Snapdragon 865 Plus chipset, which I believe for maybe the first time, Samsung isn't doing any kind of differentiation right. between the model right. that we're seeing in the U.S. versus elsewhere. Because I'm sure their engineers were just like, we're tired, guys. Could you just pick one chip? We're, we're so tired, tired and also like I don't like being hated by people yeah. because that's the thing yeah. about the Exynos chip. If you if you're tuned into like the geekier parts of the internet where people have and in sort of international markets as well, where you get Samsung phones with Exynos chips versus the Snapdragons that we get in the US, there there tends to be a pretty significant performance difference. Like mm-hmm. people just don't like Samsung's chips, and yet Samsung keeps shoving them down people's throats. But this is the first time, and I guess it sort of makes sense because they're asking so much much money for it that you do kind of get that no compromise experience no matter where you live mm-hmm. uh i want to quickly point out that like people on the live stream also told us the during our unboxing that the headphones may not come in the box but apparently you can just request upset from samsung and they'll give it to you so it's not like they're really i think cheating you although it's just a lot less convenient especially during uh, the pandemic they're, no they're cheating you because they they're know a fraction of the fraction of the yeah. people who buy this phone are people right, are upset enough and also like, what do you get when you request do you get the crappy wired ones or do you get actually buds or something it's about akg and you don't get like actual like wireless earbuds you're just like wired ones i believe um the other thing i also wanted to point out for people who regularly have listened to this podcast is that (laughs) i need to take eat some real humble pie here because i've been giving you all the wrong price for the original (laughs) galaxy fold for very long i've kept saying (laughs) for months for so long (laughs) because you know why because that was the price of the huawei meat x and then that was 2300 and then lenovo yeah. has a foldable laptop tablet thing that was 20 north of 2500 i think yeah. 
again, not uh, entirely sure because my brain is mush. Let me but, just say, I blame Sherlyn entirely yeah. for this, so please <laughs> yell at her. Fully responsible. I will need to eat stuff. Um, just, <laughs> I apologize for that mistake. The original fault was 1980, not 2300, like I've been going <laughs> about. <laughs> I have a question, though. Like, V, how do you feel about – I assume you go outside occasionally. How do you feel about having a $2,000 phone? Because to me, I just feel like the more expensive my phones are, the more anxiety I have about dropping it, losing it, having it stolen, opening it at you know in public, anything, really. Well, for me, and, and especially for me, because I review, like, a lot yeah. of expensive phones. Like, there, for, for the review period, like, there are I, – I <laughs> do occasionally drop it, not – because I mean to, but just because I'm a total klutz as a human being. But in general, I do my best to baby these things because I yep. know they're going back to a company at some point, and I really don't want to have to pay for something that I don't even get to keep. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I sort of cross the threshold, once I, if I buy a phone, for instance, even if it's, you know, I'm I use iPhones fairly frequently, and I've been using an iPhone 11 Pro Max, and that is itself like a pretty expensive phone. It's I'm very careful for like I don't know six months to a year. Then after that, it's like. <laughs> Whatever happens to this Whatever. thing happens, like because you secretly is, just want to upgrade after a year, so yes, that's of what course. <laughs> but but like walking around with a device like this, which is just so well built, like it, it's a constant reminder physically of just how premium this thing is. Mm-hmm. And um, I, this has come up on a couple of the live things that we've done so far. But I, I generally wear like really tight jeans, and <laughs> the only, which frequently means that the only comfortable yeah. place to put a phone like this is in my back pocket. So in the few times <laughs> that I have gone out with this in my back pocket, I do feel like the world's worst person. Um, yeah, and also. I I have to tell people in New York, like, especially when people are on the subways, like the back pocket is literally the worst place for your smartphone, because I've definitely seen people like look or like walk through the subway, creep around and just see like who has like an unchecked smartphone, you know, where they're Mm -hmm. standing by the door and they can just like grab that phone and keep running. So, you know, I understand it's tough if you don't have front pockets. It's tough for women, especially. But yeah, tight jeans. It's it's hard out there. Be careful. I, I, yeah. I'll just say it's really hard to be V's friend. Like, <laughs> well, just in general, just in general. Come on. Yeah, I'm never doing the podcast again. Jesus. <laughs> but I mean it in the way that like, you have to be in general, just concerned for yourself. But when you're hanging out, you're also like, V, can you please not sit on that thing? Or like, can you please? Oh, no, not no, that's, that's an unfounded concern. I hear phones are fine. They'll be fine. It's oh hard to God. be your friend when you like randomly return a phone like <laughs> okay. shattered front to me, I and know, I'm like, I know, what? I know exactly the situation you're thinking of. <laughs> wow, that was a me and Mike, our social media producer. Sure. That was a joint collaboration of failure. We were exactly. shooting in a gadget today. He threw me a phone. I could like flash it and make my point, but then I uh, I didn't catch it because I am not. I'm not physically well coordinated. <laughs> Sorry. It's really hard to be your friend. But Amazing. anyway, back to the Z Fold 2. Um, any thoughts more than what we've seen? I mean, we haven't gotten any real life time with the Tom Brown edition, by the way, right? No, which is totally fine by me because that thing is ugly. So <laughs> people ugly. don't know. The Tom Brown edition is a you, you pay thirty three hundred dollars and you get a silver Galaxy Z Fold Two with like a with like an Aquafresh red, white, and blue stripe running down the back. You get a you get the new Galaxy Watch. You get the Galaxy Buds Live. Uh, you you basically kind of get the package you wish you had gotten with the regular Galaxy Z Fold Two. <laughs> 
but you have to spend an extra $1,300 for it. Um, the skin is terrible looking. The icons look like trash. The wallpapers are bad. Like, just like buying a $2,000 phone is indulgence enough. Like, you don't need to actively make it worse to justify your like weirdo hype beast fashion trend needs. And That's like, my um, I think they know their market for this though. It is VCs, it is startup bros who want like the, the hot, hot new thing. So I, I was thinking of like the last season of Silicon Valley, right? Where um, I think the douchiest startup bro had the, uh, was he had the red phone, which is literally the <laughs> only place I've ever yep. seen the red phones because give wow. it to the big startup, you know, startup bro, because only they would buy it. So it's for those characters, sure. And I want to say, like, doing the math a little bit for that Tom Brown edition, right? Like, you said you get the phone, which is 19 well, $2,000. $2,000. Then you get the uh, Watch 3, which is 400 to – yeah, it starts at $400. So let's say you get the $400 model. Then you have the Buds Live, if I'm not wrong, the Beans guys. And beans, those yeah. start beans. at, what, $150, ish So They really, should have just called them the Galaxy Beans, by the way. Why not? They really should have. Just do it. But – the total price there is like just a little bit under like 2700 I guess, or 2600 And you're paying 3300 really to get that Tom Brown design and the custom accessories like watch straps and case design things for your buds. So I, I think the value there is hard to like justify unless you're like a really hardcore Tom Brown fan or like... <laughs> Like Dev said, like a VC person who really VC wants bro, that. it's uh, it's all for people. Uh, the people tagged in VC humble brags that Twitter account, which oh. is fantastic. <laughs> it's and just for them. It. But hey, Samsung will make some money. Yeah, and Trillin, to your point, like it's difficult to justify that value, but that's purely because it's meant for people who for whom value is not a concept that they have to grapple with True. generally. I'm, you know, um, what I'm more excited for is the potential or the possibility of a BTS version of any of these things. I mean, we've seen Samsung do some BTS versions of what was it, the Buds Plus? I think there was, the, I think there was the Buds, but they also definitely did the BTS uh, Galaxy S twenty Plus. Which, in fairness to Samsung, like I'm, like I'm, I, I, I listened to K-pop. It's not like my go-to, but like that's a good-looking phone. Like I would no. probably, I would be totally fine just using that phone. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a, a budding Blink, which is which means I am a fan of Blackpink, and I would 100% buy a Blackpink phone. So We're just making up words now, aren't we? What is happening? <laughs> what? Just get with You've the lingo, Devendra, okay? But um, to be fair, Samsung's not the first one, or this isn't even Samsung's first one, but they're not the first one to team up with like an outside designer to make a different variant sure. or more expensive variant of his phone. We've got OnePlus has worked with McLaren, uh, and in the past, we've also had... Huawei with Porsche design phones. Well, let's not forget um, the Apple Hermes, 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 Hermes watch yeah, yeah. band thing. Yeah. Okay. But like you could almost justify Hermes, right? Like the Apple watch sure. for a while at least was this like weird, vaguely aspirational. You can, you can justify the gold Apple watch, right? How much did that cost? No, oh, even. Yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The additions were, weren't they like $10,000 mm -hmm. or something? Mm -hmm. ridiculous so like really like Samsung and everybody is just like chasing that dream. Okay, folks, like what 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 is going on here? I mean, Sherlyn, you spent some time with the the Surface Duo. We still cannot, we we can't turn still it on. Listen about in private. In private, we can turn it on. In public, on video and everything, we cannot. <laughs> so just so you know, this is how reviews work. Um, this, but Sherlyn, you could talk about the feel and the folding yes. and all that stuff. Any do you say, have any thoughts based on and I, compared to this? 
I want to compare. Yeah, I can compare it. I I, I want to tell you that the Duo's hardware, now that I've spent some time just holding it, opening and closing it, it feels really good. It really, so honestly, good. the weighting of it is very nicely balanced. Um, I've held it a lot like open and then with one hand, like usually my left hand while mm -hmm. my right types on the other screen. Um, and it's it just it, it doesn't feel like a strain. It doesn't feel like it's about to fall out of my hands. Yeah. The hinge is super sturdy and it's a lot thinner. Like these single individual screens, they're each a lot thinner than the Fold looks to be, the Z Fold oh, yeah. looks like. So that alone, I think, mm -hmm. already makes me feel good. Uh, I saw some comments during our live unboxing of the Z Fold 2 that, that asked if v, uh, Chris could uh, open and close the Z Fold 2 with one hand. And he could. And they were saying that the Duo can't be open and shut with one hand. Honestly, though? I don't, I I don't think that's a problem. I feel like you I could. Shut, you can shut can, it with one hand. You can't can open it, it with from one flat. Fairly easily. With one hand. Yeah. Um, but I can't open it with one hand that easily. I would say it, people, uh, once you get your hands on these things, that may not be a thing you want to be doing, just given the size of it hand. and the way it's made <laughs> oh, yeah. one handed opening. Like this is you may want to be a little helpful. more careful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the hinge also feels a lot different. I mean, I'm expecting the Z Fold 2. Again, I haven't touched the Z Fold 2, but from what mm -hmm. I know of the Z Fold 2 based on videos and of the Z Flip, I think the hinge on the the Surface Duo is actually a lot smoother. Like it actually oh, yeah. holds in position possibly just a lot better. I will, I will than... say unreservedly the best hinge I've ever seen in my entire life. Like just not just gadget, but any any product. Like this is something Microsoft has been perfecting for a while. So yeah, it's very pretty too. It's oddly just kind of attractive because there's like these mm -hmm. two silver cylinder things that are just next to each other but anyway yeah, nice. yeah. we're gonna have to meet up somewhere in the middle at some point i was going like... to say we really need to. <laughs> six feet gonna... apart and just like fold at each other yeah, yeah. Show them no not no don't do... be haven't you learned <laughs> what have we learned <laughs> sorry i couldn't help it but but no i i do think that a meetup is in the works for me and chris velasco so we can both play with these things and then tell you yeah. on a show maybe about what we felt uh when folding, i can fully talk about the software. yeah a folding video we'll hear more about the surface duo soon v can you say when can we expect a review of the z fold 2 so i um what can i say about that mm. we can we can so, so here's here's what i'll say okay we can basically publish a review whenever we want but we obviously this is probably by far one of the most important phones of the year so we're going to take a little bit extra with yes. this one we generally you know if we have the opportunity we'll turn a review around in a week that's with the video and the full written component in the photos but for this one we really want to do this one justice so i would say give us like a couple extra days to make sure that this one is as good as it yeah. deserves to be for something like this well let me just say people you do not want you do not want a rushed review like that's the thing especially with these new devices the surface duo i think based on just my time with it you will it'll take at least a week to learn how to use it and how to get used to those types of devices. So I, yeah, I mean, spending time. To, yeah. to really hammer home that point in general, I prefer if we like took our time with devices to be able to really get to know them better before we put our thoughts down on paper and on video. Um, but sometimes we don't have the luxury of that because companies <laughs> give some super tight timelines sometimes. But um, and I think in general, I don't feel like I need to compete with like all the other people putting out their reviews up on day one or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do it more justice, like you said, if we spend a bit more time with it. So that's our philosophy, at least. Yeah. The three of us. All good. Thank you so much, V. 
thanks yeah. for having me. It's always really fun. And I'm going to go play with this thing and try not to break it for the next couple of days. So this week was a pretty big news week for PC gamers and PC mm-hmm. fans in general. NVIDIA had a big event, actually not really a big event, it's like a 30-minute live stream, but the news <laughs> was huge because they announced the new RTX 3000 cards. These are things that we've been waiting for for a very long time. It's been two years since they announced their RTX 2000 series cards, and uh, they're very exciting. So let me just break this down real quick. Uh, these are all running NVIDIA's new Ampere architecture, which promises mm-hmm. to be both faster and more efficient than uh, the last generation cards. And the big thing here, too, is uh, with the first RTX cards, NVIDIA introduced real-time ray tracing to PC gaming. And that was a feature we saw adopted by a couple games like Control and I believe Battlefield. Not very many, but a couple. And mm-hmm. I love Control so much. But the thing we learned is no matter how powerful your card was, even if you had the, like, what, $1,200 RTX 2080 Ti, which I still have in my system right now, um, control, you flip on RTX and that card will start to really chug, which which is kind of sad. No matter how Mm. the game looks great, but RTX really took those cards down quite a bit. So the RTX 3000 cards look like they're going to be a huge bump for real-time ray tracing. So that's going to be big. And let's go down the line here. I think the most interesting one is the 499 RTX 3070, which NVIDIA says is faster than the RTX 2080 Ti. Now, that's impressive, that right? This is crazy, a, yeah. Th- yeah, it's a $500 card that is technically faster than their old $1,200 card because that thing launched it quite a bit. So that's a huge value for gamers, people who waited, people who had the GTX 1000 line. This is a good time to upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the 699 RTX 3080, which is the new, like, top of the line for the mainstream, you know, bunch of cards. But the thing they really left for the end is the RTX 3090, mm-hmm. which is $1499. This card is huge. This card takes up three PCI slots. It is it's a beast. I've I've never seen a video card that looks this huge. I've seen PCs that are maybe the size of this video card. So wow. it's a it's a big thing. And what we know so far is They're all going to be better for RTX. Uh, The new architecture handles RTX a lot more efficiently uh, without hitting your frame rates as much. They're also going to draw a lot more power, too. So it's going to be interesting to see what power limits people come into as they start to adopt these things. Um, I will say the RTX 3090, despite being so expensive, is probably a great thing for a lot of like creators and um, not just gamers, but people who game and also shoot and edit video you know they do they do a lot of stuff here i know uh one of mm-hmm. our video producers on the studios team was very excited about the <laughs> video news and also can i just talk about that uh, that event really quickly because it happened i think right after the galaxy z Fold <laughs> 2 event so that was a really really packed day and chris velasco and i had been doing a live stream earlier that day so we were cutting into uh nvidia's event time but then when I went on and saw the stream, it was like happening out of Jensen's, uh, and I forget his last name, his kitchen. <laughs> Jensen Huang, uh, yeah. Like his, uh, it was in front of his kitchen in his giant <laughs> chef's, uh, chef's uh, what do you call it, stove. But his yeah. stove, which, you know, has the huge like vent hood like every mm-hmm. rich person will have. His stove has like marble columns to Ooh. the sides of them. And like really, really like gauche, really like ordinate things you find in the museum just sitting in his kitchen. So I heard, I yeah, know. I heard he has a fantastic spatula collection, which is great. He does. He does. When I they mean, were gonna, listen, you, yeah. 
you're not going to be the CEO of NVIDIA and not like really kick butt with your spatula collection, okay? Yeah. I was actually waiting because they were showing off a lot of like stuff RTX could do in real time. I was like, I was waiting for the end of the stream for Jensen to hit a button and be like, this kitchen doesn't exist. Oh my gosh. It's exactly. Being rendered I was just real about time to say that. In RTX. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. I was going to say. Exactly. <laughs> the ray tracing presented, like, provided this yeah, background yeah. that I'm in front of. I don't actually have 12 spatulas. Realistic ray tracing stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, what, what else from NVIDIA? They have, uh, they showed off a bunch of software. They showed off, you know, a bunch of features, um, specifically things that would like help you cancel noise and help you um, remove backgrounds in your videos too, which will also be powered by your RTX cards. That's all fun. Like they're, they're figuring out a lot of new ways to use the hardware they have in these GPUs. They also talked about this thing. Um, I forget the exact name of it, but it is a direct storage technology that'll basically help you get the textures from the card right to your system without like waiting for the disk slowdown. So basically means like load times could be instant uh, streaming games, streaming like big open world games could be a lot faster. This is technology we've been sort of hearing about on the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. So it kind of makes sense that we're starting to hear more about it on PCs too. So this is the future of gaming, you know, NVIDIA's RTX 3000 series. And uh, yeah, we will have some impressions soon. I'm very excited. The 3090 for 1500 bucks, that's a lot of money, but still 500 bucks cheaper than the <laughs> Galaxy Z Fold 2, as our chat reminded us. And yeah. also this is a card that's faster than NVIDIA's RTX Titan, which typically went, I believe like 5,000 bucks. Like those things went for several thousand dollars. So this is a mm. huge leap in performance and it's going to be vaguely accessible to people who do a lot of video editing and do a lot of content creation. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, what what goes well with a good new GPU? How about a brand new CPU? Um, <laughs> technically not true, but Intel did tell pretty us smooth. the first bunch of um, its Tiger Lake chip news. And I mentioned this before. They talked about some of the architecture. This week, they showed off some of the actual models we'll be able to get. And mm -hmm. these are only for laptops right now. They're not talking about the desktop chips. So I guess that transition doesn't quite work. But these Tiger Lake <laughs> chips seem very exciting. Uh, they've also come up with some new architecture. That's super thin transistor technology I talked about before, which basically means they can hit higher clock rates. They mm -hmm. can do a lot more. I think in some instances, these chips are, you know, one gigahertz faster than they were before. Whoa, one yeah. whole gigahertz? Yeah, gen over gen, wow. which is... Surprising. What were they before, like three already? Three I think before four. they kind of maxed out around four Okay. Um, with some of them, but we're seeing now like 4.5 gigahertz. We're seeing At really, least, really fast geez, designs. Wow. These Tiger Lake chips are for their, uh, you know, ultra thins, ultra portables. They're going to be available in the lower power um, per thermal profiles, but they seem pretty exciting. They seem fast. And the new Intel XE graphics are going to be a huge leap ahead of the isolate graphics we saw last year. Um, they were showing off some stats in games like um, Gears Tactics. You know, they were getting near 55 FPS um, with this integrated graphics, whereas wow. in AMD's most recent CPU, GPU, that, that Ryzen combo uh, was getting around 30 FPS. So, you know, they're doing pretty well, and I think they're really bringing the fight to AT&T. So I'm AT excited. Yeah, sorry, sorry. not AT&T. <laughs> they're bringing the fight to AMD, not AT&T. <laughs> God, they're this really bringing such the fight. a week, everyone. <laughs> I am so tired. They're really bringing the fight, which is really cool. Um, and the other thing too is Intel announced uh, Intel Evo, 
which is their new second generation branding for Project Athena laptops. So this is actually a sticker you'll be seeing mm. on systems, you know, this fall and into next year. And these describe systems that really just hit all their performance benchmarks for 11th gen chips. So they'll uh, wake from sleep within a second. You know, they will fast charge up to four hours within 30 minutes. Mm. Uh, they'll have nine hours of real world battery life in 1080p. So I think like all of that is pretty, um, you know, it's a really easy way to figure out which systems are good, which systems have the best technology. And the thing about Project Athena, we didn't really, uh, they never labeled them. You know, that was yeah. the thing they talked about with us, with the media. But I don't think consumers ever, ever learned what Project Athena was, right, Sherlyn? Just the fact that it's using the name project it's a code yeah. name it seems like it just seemed very un uncertain or not confirmed so it's nice to see that i mean i the way i read the evo news was just like this is our official <laughs> branding for athena and you know moving forward you're going to see the word evo and for those who like are familiar with the ultra Bro ultra brook ultra book branding Brooke. days <laughs> ultra book days this is going to be a similar sort of cue that yeah. this is a thin and light that you can buy and it'll last long and it'll perform well and all of that stuff yeah. so i that's what I it really it reminds me of that right because ultrabook was a badge ultrabook was a big marketing term and they described a new type of computer which honestly looked a lot like the macbook air like that's what Intel right. was getting to and pcs were getting to but now these um intel evo machines are going to be all sorts of different things. Uh, Asus announced a new convertible that is like 2.6 pounds, I believe. Like pretty fast, super thin, very light, but still with a decent amount of performance. So I do feel like we're getting to a point where, you know, the PCs of our dreams, uh, maybe a Surface-like device that is actually powerful and, uh, you know, can do a lot more. Those things are becoming more of a reality with these chips, right? I mean, I'm already, I already found Project <laughs> Athena laptops super nice looking and they're, they're very good. thin and light already yeah. yeah so i mean if that if evo improves on that that would be really impressive <laughs> but i think if evo just continues what athena has been doing i would be satisfied um mm -hmm. most of them last long enough most of them have again the designs are great the performance is decent pretty reliable so i think this is good news Ooh, this is good news for consumers <laughs> overall um it's definitely i want to I no, I wanted to ask you really quick on XE Intel XE graphics really quickly. You said that the integrated option could hit 55 FPS. Is there a version of XE that's discrete or is it all integrated? It's, I mean, so now we have to like change our language a bit because XE is technically discrete tech that's bundled, integrated uh. directly alongside the GPU, similar to how AMD's like, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Radeon stuff works. Uh. You know, it's graphics processors right next to the CPU all so in the same like core. It's not like on die or something. Pretty much on die, right, right. but there are like the Intel Iris graphics um, or their Intel HD graphics. So like yeah. basic, basic integrated stuff is still around for okay. some of the cheaper chips because some companies may, t you know, put a Tiger Lake chip with an NVIDIA GPU or even right. an AMD, like a Radeon GPU. Like there are different ways of configuring these things. So because of that, they have the choice of what kind of Tiger Lake chip they could be doing. Okay. Um, and speaking of XE, we did learn, uh, I think earlier this year too, that XE graphics, that XE you know technology is moving forward into other stuff too, right? That's huh. they're going to have a dedicated video card next year that you will plug into a PCI slot um, and will eventually compete with AMD and Nvidia stuff. Uh, I don't, I Ooh. don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with that. It's very exciting to be 
you know, a PC gamer and a PC enthusiast right now because Intel's going into uncharted territory. These new chips seem very exciting. AMD, now we're looking at AMD. It's like, what are you going to do, guys? Because normally AMD is the company that's done a good job of combining CPU power and graphics power in a single package. So, yeah, there's a lot we don't know. I'm sure AMD is in a corner just like, I would say like biding its time. I'm sure AMD has some major announcements coming. The 4000 series laptop chips we saw this year were pretty fantastic. And we didn't see enough of them actually hit machines. But, you know, uh, what was it? I reviewed the ROG G14. And that machine is fantastic. So fast, affordable. And it was an AMD processor together with NVIDIA (laughs) graphics. Um, Still my favorite gaming laptop of the year. You know, so competition. Competition is good. This is the whole point. I was going to so, say, exactly. The competition yeah. between these chip makers is heating up. I think Intel has felt <laughs> the, the pinch or, or has felt that it's you know needing to keep up for a bit now. So I'm glad they're stepping up. For sure, for sure. And listen, like we, Intel certainly deserves criticism too for its delays. Um, yeah. I think they had just recently announced they're not having any 7 nanometer chips until well into probably not even next year, like probably not until 2022. They were late to 10 nanometer. But what they are showing mm. is that they have a mastery of their design and their fabrication. They were able to eke out more performance from the same 10 nanometer process they've been using uh, since last year. So that's, uh, you know, I think that's a big step forward for them. The performance matters at the end more than what, you know, the microns of your chip architecture. If they can get good performance out of 10, that's that's still good for consumers. Yeah. So I'm down with that. Are you excited about any of these, Sherlyn? Because I know you've heard of some of these Intel laptops too, right? Definitely excited to see what the power improvements will be for the <laughs> laptops. But again, we won't know until these start rolling out. So I'd say stay tuned. But if you have any feels, this is yeah. a pretty nerdy topic, I know. But if you, dear listener, have any deep thoughts about the NVIDIA versus Intel chips, send us an email to podcast at Engadget.com. Let's move on to news from IFA which is the annual technology festival in Berlin. Uh, what does IFA stand for, Sherlyn? It is the wow, wow, International Funkausstellen Berlin? Internationale Funkausstellung Berlin? I have no idea. I have My best friend is you know, fluent in German, and uh-huh. she really hates it when I try. <laughs> but anyway, we talk about IFA quite a bit, especially as we get into summer. And let me just tell you, as this year has gone on, all of the like uh, Google, remember where you were <laughs> two or three oh, years God, ago photos ones? are just yeah. like, remember where you were, you know, in another place, not trapped at home <laughs> in a functioning society. Don't forget about this. Thanks, Google. Yep. Yep. Uh, but now is the time for Eva. Eva is a huge, huge technology show and actually bigger than CES, I believe. And it's where a lot of European and Asian companies kind of come together and show us new stuff. Even this year, it's happening virtually, although there is some in-person stuff too. But what have you been seeing, Sherlyn? So yeah, like you're saying, um, all there's a ton of IFA news coming out this week, which kind of boggles my mind because I'm like, y'all, let's not make this happen. <laughs> um, but for all of the updates on all of the IFA news this year, you can go to Engadget.com and slash tag slash IFA 2020 um, just to get the full breakdown. But companies like TCL, Qualcomm, Lenovo, Samsung, blah, 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 like a whole laundry <laughs> list of names have new products to show off. Um, I'll start with TCL because 
I, I, they actually came out with like new display technology, which whenever there's a type of new thing, I'm always most intrigued by it. Um, and TCL's made a name and is mostly known for like its affordable things. So like affordable sure. TV sets, affordable phones, affordable tablets. In fact, the, they're the world's biggest TV manufacturer right now because of exactly. This. Yeah. And they've like, I think maybe like been able to get that name by making their set so good for so such a good mm-hmm. value price. Um, so this thing that they announced, uh, this IFA is called TCL's Next Paper, N-X-T-P-A-P-E-R. And it basically is a sort of screen technology that's similar to e-ink or e-paper technologies. Um, and what is actually interesting about it is that it can support very high resolutions of up to like full HD as well as support video playback. They mm-hmm. haven't shared like specifics on a frame rate that they can support, but considering that typical e-ink displays can only refresh really slowly, yeah. this is really yeah. interesting. And color e-ink has been like a dream they've been chasing forever and it's just not happening because of we that have been, Yeah, rate. and so they promise colors on this thing too. So it'd be like magazine paper That's quality cool. maybe. So the big uh, benefit of this for, for what TCL is saying is that they've also filed 11 different patents related <laughs> to eye protection. They've been certified by uh, Tuvrein, I think, German, some German like standards facilities. And I, I haven't seen it in action is the problem, right? Like I've only seen a picture of it and pictures are very misleading. So I don't like to judge off of just pictures. Um, but yeah, the idea is that it reduces light output on the screen. It reduces blue light and uh, flicker. Uh, and it's meant for like, TCL is not trying to put this on a smartphone. They're trying uh-huh. to make tablets and e-readers with this thing. And they're saying that it's like 65% more battery efficient than a typical LCD. That's cool. That's cool. Is, this, well, is this flexible at all? Or is this just not... <laughs> like a flat thing? Okay. It looks like it's flexible yeah. for the picture they show. If you call it paper, I'm thinking flexible paper, but okay. Right. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but me, I don't know. They didn't say it was flexible, and if, if it <laughs> now, was, well, so this is LCD out. based too, right? So would be impossible for it to be flexible. So, They're also yeah. saying it's um, like a third of the size of a traditional LCD or a third okay. thinner. I can't remember exactly the comparison, but like so much thinner that you can expect an e-reader made out of this display to be a lot thinner than like your Kindle or something, which are already pretty thin. So I don't know what they're going yeah. to make with this, but that was interesting. Uh, TCL also had a bunch of, speaking of tablets, they had a bunch of other news. I'll quickly just shout them out. I mean, they made a Tab Mid and a Tab Max, basically Android tablets for cheap. You can get, I mean, you could also get the Galaxy Tab A something, but if you want something even cheaper that is not bad at all, the TCL tablets could be for you. They also announced true wireless earbuds that honestly, the only thing I can really say about them is that they're, they seem really freaking cheap. Yeah. They're going Everybody to go has for... true wireless. I mean, if you go go to Amazon now, you will find Anchor true wireless earbuds for yeah. fifty bucks, sometimes yes. even less. So, hey, it's yeah. cheap. It's out there. Yeah. So these these are ninety nine euros. They promise. Like they have this design called Super Ellipse that they you know are saying is going to fit more comfortably in your ear. They don't have active noise canceling, but they have electronic noise canceling, which okay. <laughs> Um, and they're IP54, um, so you can sort of wear them while jogging or something if you're sweating. So I don't know, another option for y'all. And yeah, some other news like a wearable for seniors. So that's TCL's news. There's every company had its own big dump (laughs) of news like that. So that's TCL's. That's a good way Um, to describe it because that's what it felt like was happening all week. It's just like 
vomiting news. But that NVIDIA vomited all its news in 30 I minutes. And Intel did it pretty quickly too. And then, yeah, all this EFA stuff just feels like it keeps coming at us. You spent a lot of time talking with Qualcomm, Sherlyn. I know how much yes. you love them as a well, company. I just cover them a lot. I, I know their workings pretty well. So Qualcomm also had a, somewhat of a news dump for IFA, which, by the way, I really enjoy tackling mm. all this IFA news dumps while two major shows are going on. God. Anyway, um, but <laughs> yes, so Qualcomm announced among so the the, the let's get through the like less like arresting stuff first there's Mm -hmm. some audio updates there's some new like um updates to its acoustic uh audio processor technology that uh improves its noise cancellation and echo cancellation features you can read the details on engadget.com i have i I left that to our audio expert billy Steele to take care of so i don't know all (laughs) the details there they've also announced um snapdragon 400 series chipset which is uh, entry-level chipset, but with 5G support. So that does mean that we can expect even cheaper phones with 5G soon. But what sure. I tackled of the Qualcomm stuff, which is something fully in my wheelhouse, is the Snapdragon 8CX Gen 2. Very uh, straightforward naming there. This is the follow-up to 2018's Snapdragon 8CX, which was the ARM-based processor that Qualcomm made for PCs. So this will be Windows on Snapdragon. And as we've talked about on this podcast before, Windows on Snapdragon, oh boy. But uh, (laughs) they're trying again. And what's really interesting about Windows on Snapdragon for me is, or or about the Gen 2 HCX, is that like when you talk about actual power improvements, there's none. Like there's no clock speed jumps. There's no like increase <laughs> increase RAM or This is pretty bold. What have you guys changed this year? <laughs> Nothing. Deal with like, it. I was having a hard time making sense of the press release because I was like and, yeah. and the video that I watched because they would not call out performance improvements at well, all so, over so the last this is, gen. It's the same model number as before. It's the eight C X. It's just eight yeah. CX Gen, gen two. 2. What is You're Gen right. two about it? So it has better AI support. It will offer um, faster processing of certain things. Like there's this eye contact feature on the um, Surface Pro X that the original ACX also supported, where the webcam can see if you're looking at the camera itself, or what, so it looks like you're making eye contact during right, your right. video conference, and then alert you to look up. But there's also <laughs> two more things. No, two more things. Uh, AI-wise that the HCX Gen 2 enables, which is something called Loom.ai. They've partnered up to do this avatar replacement thing in in real time. So like if you're doing a Zoom call and you're super burned out or you have like an outbreak of hives or something and you don't want to have your real person appear, you can replace yourself in the Zoom call with an avatar, with a digital Samsung or, or Animoji-like avatar, sure. and have your facial expressions It was only a matter mapped. of time until this happened, right? Yeah. Right. We're fully replaced with avatars now. So <laughs> have, so I saw a quick demo pre-recorded of um, this person, Cristiano Amon, who is the Qualcomm president. He made like facial expressions while he was talking, and an avatar matched his expressions like exactly. So that was great. Um, that's just like funny. It's not like incredibly cool. useful i don't think it is, that yeah. sounds cool the- that does not match the terrifying thing i remember seeing at the oculus connect event last year <laughs> which was people wearing oculus headsets and they had 3d mapped those people's faces so oh we were looking at 3d models of their faces 
being perfectly, oh, being perfectly captured this. while they were wearing headsets. So we are getting to some weird, wild spaces when it comes to digital I, avatars. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, but the last AI thing about the Gen 2 is that it will, they, you know, Qualcomm has teamed up with Sophos, a security firm, uh, to provide AI-based security that detects threats seven times faster uh, than existing systems. So that's good news because they really want the 8CX Gen 2 or these Snapdragon PCs to really be enterprise machines too. Um, so that's some of the AI updates. There's also support for Wi-Fi 6, Bluetooth 5.1, um, up from the previous generation, right, which right. is two years ago, which is nice. So like, I Intel's <laughs> Snapdragon's... Sorry, Qualcomm, my gosh, Qualcomm. words escaped me today. Qualcomm is positioning this as taking on the likes of an Intel Core i5. I think more of a lower-end okay. core series. And they keep calling out performance improvements over those systems. So it's like, they were like, oh, we're 18% more performant than uh, a 10th generation Intel Core i5. And I was like, okay, but tell me how much better than last year's or right. last generation. And they can't say it. Um, so 8CX Gen 2, interesting. Windows and Snapdragon's not going anywhere soon. But what was interesting to me is that Microsoft uh, Chief Product Officer Panos Pane was also made an appearance on Qualcomm's <laughs> briefing video because he wasn't done making appearances. The funny thing was in this video, he said something like, because him and Cristiano Amon were having a conversation and Cristiano was like, oh, congratulations on the launch of your super fascinating Surface Duo. And... <laughs> Powered Panos by like, Qualcomm hardware. Yeah. Powered by Qualcomm. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, Panos was like, yeah, thank you for the collaboration. Well, And then he tries to segue, and his segue was this. He goes, I'm very passionate about the Duo, but I'm even more passionate about Snapdragon PC. And I was like, are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if I, don't, he was, I don't... <laughs> If he was Windows on ARM, would be a lot better, right? So. Well, here's, yeah. here's what he then announced, right? So uh -huh. Microsoft... Uh, or Panos on that briefing announced that Microsoft is going to move the App Assure program over <laughs> to Snapdragon PCs or their Snapdragon customers. So App Assure is uh, is something that Microsoft launched, or at least App Assure for desktop is something Microsoft launched around 2018, I think, or 2016 to help move apps from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Mm -hmm. And app compatibility is always a hugely important issue for any sort of, especially because they were retiring support for Windows right. 7. So right. they promised that you can work with a Microsoft engineer um, to resolve any app compatibility issues until it is resolved. So like they're going to be with you until you can get app compatibility issues resolved. Which let me just say, this could technically solve the greatest problem we've had with every yes. Windows unarmed device, which is that the apps just don't work. A lot yes. of things are running in either emulation or don't run at all. So it's exactly. typically a bad experience. This could be pretty cool. I feel like as we talk about Aperture, I can certainly yes. feel all our listeners falling to sleep. So <laughs> what is your big takeaway, Shalin? Because I don't, whenever I, I brought this Look. up to people before, nobody's super interested, but this could be yeah. big, right? I do say, I will say that like Windows on ARM and Windows on Snapdragon have been very, yeah. um, like have had a troubled history i guess and maybe this will help so yeah. the big news of the 8cx gen 2 is that microsoft is going to support app assure for snapdragon <laughs> hey. just saying something, I guess. we'll see because oh, we boy. both tested the surface pro x i believe that's mm -hmm. what it was the super thin super well designed yes. surface yeah. that had great hardware but apparently craps our software support so i would love for would devices nice. like that to be more realistic um oh, boy. what if yeah. we heard from samsung at Dude, i feel like so... they had a ton of stuff 
I want to cry because yeah. <laughs> because Samsung had a Z Fold 2 event on Tuesday, and yeah. then they had a Life Unstoppable event yesterday for its eFun <laughs> news. And we know Samsung's a giant conglomerate; it makes refrigerators, yeah. TVs, and all they that. They make everything. So, yeah, yeah. So the Life Unstoppable event was supposed to be mostly home entertainment focused, but Samsung, for the love of God, was like, no, here are some more gadgets from the mobile side. So it announced also the Galaxy Fit 2, uh, or I don't know if it's Galaxy actually, it's just Fit 2, Galaxy A42 5G, which is an affordable 5G phone, a Galaxy Tab A7, a Flex laptop with 5G, a Galaxy Book Flex with 5G. So those... That's a lot of things that you can go yeah. and look at in gadget.com for the details. And I believe that's on... an Intel Evo device too, the Flex 5G. So yeah. there, there, there's a lot going on there. There's yeah. So mm-hmm. so all of those are interesting products. And the main takeaway for me about Samsung's news is that <laughs> the in a week where they launch something that's a two thousand dollar phone, they also you know, released a bunch of things in the A series, which is their everything but the flagship series, right? So mid-range and entry-level. So the Galaxy A42 5G is, we reached out to Samsung for a comment on pricing. They haven't said anything, but a lot of sites are calling this possibly their cheapest 5G phone yet. And that's important because Samsung's cheaper phones are still really good, um, at least on displays and on cameras, right, compared to the others. So that's exciting. I think the Tab A7 being a cheaper uh, Android tablet compared to the Tab S7 Plus is also a nice option for people who are looking for something better than a Fire HD or something. Mm -hmm. So I like that. I like that Samsung is like, okay, we did a $2,000 phone, but here are some things (laughs) that might cost a lot less. I mean, that's been their thing for a while too, because they're one of the last Android companies left making tablets. Everybody else has kind of given up on it. So they have cheap phones, they have cheap tablets. It is, hey, that's good. That's something hey, hey. that we make fun hey, of their hey. model numbers and prices. What's up? I wouldn't say they're one of the last companies making Android tablets because who else announced Android tablets uh... this week? My dear friends at Lenovo. <laughs> <laughs> we, first of all, yeah, the Galaxy Tab A7 is Samsung's, you know, affordable Android tablet. And then we had TCL making its Tab Mid and Tab Max. Uh, Lenovo came through. Announcing Monday uh, some new Android tablets as well. What's interesting here is that Lenovo in the past when they've made, or in the recent past when they've made Android tablets, they've been like slightly cheaper. They're more like in the $500 price range. They have interesting kickstands built in and that sort of stuff. But this time around, they've gone full like, let's take on freaking the Tab S7 Plus with our P11 Pro. I believe that's the name. It was Monday. It was a lifetime ago. I can't remember the actual name now. I think it was the P11 Pro. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to have a keyboard accessory. It's going to be able to support a stylus and stuff like that. Um, it's a high-end Android tablet from Lenovo. And it's competition <laughs> for Samsung, which is a good thing. Uh, you can see all the details again on Engadget.com. But Lenovo also announced something <laughs> that I covered called the Smart Clock Essentials, which is That a looks follow-up. really cute. Let me just say, looks- I really like Lenovo's accessory things. Like their smart display. They're, they're fun. I like them. I love Lenovo's smart home play. Uh, they've mm-hmm. made a lot of good affordable tab- uh, devices in that space. The smart clock from last year or two years ago was really, I liked it. I have one in my bedroom, but the smart clock essentials is like $20 cheaper. So it's a $50 smart clock and it's basically a bedside clock with assistant built in. So for me, initially when I was being pitched this, I was like, 
why can't I just go to Amazon and buy a $20 right, bedside right. clock, right? But then the whole thing is that this is a Google Assistant device too. So you can also speak to it and ask it to turn on your lights and like set routines that include this device. So there's a little bit more to it than just a bedside clock. So mm-hmm. I I guess it's nice to have it's just pretty super basic <laughs> if you didn't like that. $70. No, I, ca- I kind of dig this and it doesn't have a camera. It doesn't have a screen properly, right? So yeah, uh, again, with the smart clock series, there's no camera and the screen's yeah. meant to like dim at night too. So it's just like less intrusive and less like, <laughs> like gadget mania sure, in your bedroom sure. or something. It feels like we had mastered alarm clock technology. And then with all these smart <laughs> yes. devices, it feels like we took weird steps all over the place. So yeah. Yeah. I, I would totally buy one of these. I know. I can't wait to get one in and like see if I like it because I, I need a new one. And it has bigger, much bigger LED font too this time around to show the time mm-hmm. so you can see from further away, which is nice. Um, that's but cool. that's not all the IFA news. We still have more, yeah. but I'm going to just leave you guys with one more that stood out to me this week, <laughs> which was ZTE. Remember them? They're back sure. with the... Well, they've they've never really fully gone away. They've still been releasing Axon phones, which is their flagship line. And honestly, way back in the day, Axon was a very well-known phone series, or well-loved anyway. They announced the Axon 25G. The Axon 20 is not a new-ish phone. We've heard of the Axon 20 before, but the Axon 25G um, is this year's announcement for IFA from ZTE. And the really big thing about it, at least to me and Chris Velasco anyway, is that it has an under-display camera. Which is really cool. Um, okay. We've seen other Chinese filmmakers make it uh, make something like this before. Does that but... mean there is no like actual hole in the display for it, or how does that work? Because you would still need space for the camera to sit, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I I I I don't think there's an actual hole, but I huh. can't tell you off the top of my head sure, because it's sure, been sure, a blur. Sure. But I would check out Engadget.com again for just like all of the information on all of the news. Again, Engadget.com slash tag slash EFA 2020 is where you can get caught up on all of this virtual EFA news. Um, <laughs> and there's still a lot of stuff from PC makers and still more stuff coming up. <laughs> we need to we need to take a break soon. But uh, for now, send us your thoughts on all of these EFA news as well, whether it's on Twitter or on email. Let's move on to what we're working on. Uh, as you can see, many, many things this week. I will say upcoming, I am trying to figure out how to review the Logitech Herman Miller chair combo, which I'm sitting in right now. It feels fantastic, but uh, nice. I, I don't know how you review. It's like, it makes my back feel good and my butt doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> wow. 10 stars, you know, 10 out of 10 review. Uh, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm also testing out a hot upcoming gadget that I think people will be excited to learn about in a couple of weeks. So this is the busy period. Um, I feel like everybody right now is working on reviews for major upcoming devices Mm -hmm. that, you know, our readers will be excited about. So I love September because it's busy, but it's also like when the new stuff starts happening, October is when it starts shipping. And also I'm still gearing up for November when we get the new consoles and all that fun stuff. And uh, yeah, also the elections. And all. <laughs> we oh, have gosh. so much to look forward to and so much to be worried about. Sherlyn, what are you working on? In addition to all of that stuff that I've been spending this podcast <laughs> telling you guys about and yeah. trying to stay alive, I'm also working on two major reviews in the background that one... I don't, I don't think, think you're I busy enough, about. Sherlyn. You know, like if there's one thing I would say about you, it's that... <laughs> You just don't work enough. 
Okay. Shout out to uh, our regular listener, Jonathan, I think Medina, <laughs> who tweeted and replied to one of my tweets yesterday saying that, how do you get so much done? You do, you guys do live streams, conventions, review things, write for the site, you know, take all these briefings. I'm like, oh my gosh, someone understands what it's like. Mm, like, yeah. a, a review isn't just writing, it's testing, taking photos, shooting videos, writing scripts, and then writing the review copy, putting it in the CMS, getting it. So it's, like, it's a lot of work for one major review, lot. and I'm doing two at the same time this week, which is... Just someone throw me uh, uh, one of those float ring things. What is it called? A mm -hmm. life, life, life preserver. Yeah, life. You wouldn't know what it's life. called because no, my yeah. brain's broken. <laughs> my brain is broken. And now for our pop culture picks. Uh, one thing I want to shout out now is that uh, hey, The Legend of Korra is back on Netflix, and it is. It actually never was on Netflix. So Netflix is now the place where anybody can go and with a hit of a button, go see Korra. I think before it was on CBS All Access. This is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender, which we know was a huge hit on Netflix. So good timing for them. And uh, just have to say, this show is perfect. I love it so much. If you're a fan of anime, if you liked The Last Airbender... And maybe you want to see a twist on that, you know, world that's a little more mature with uh, older characters. Um, it's fantastic. And also, I will say, no joke, some of the best action choreography in anything, but certainly uh, within animated shows, like the way they use their spirit powers, it's uh, sometimes gets <laughs> to be a little Dragon Ball Z, but it's also like fun, great, um, just great martial arts in there, too. So as an action fan, I really dig it. And also as somebody who loves 2D animation, like the show has done some incredible stuff. I love that it exists. I love that it's so easily accessible now. Um, you can hear me talk more about it on Republic City Dispatch, which is a podcast I've been doing with some friends of mine and podcast luminaries like Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Matt Patches. Um, that Just Google Republic City Dispatch. I believe <laughs> that is under the Fighting in the War Room domain now but we're doing some recap episodes of every individual season but eight years ago we actually reviewed every single episode of this show <laughs> so it's so weird you live long enough to see your early podcast be relevant again uh so we're kind of reviving that feed adding some new retrospectives um go check out some of our early reviews too i love this show so much sherlyn i think you would be you would love it because i don't know you dig martial arts yeah <laughs> I don't know how many times I would tell you I don't really watch a lot of animated works, but uh, maybe you okay. should. Maybe you should instead sure. of bad the... uh, sci-fi. Wow, 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 wow! I will shout out Archer is one of my favorite animated series that I will keep going back to. I like Archer, but I will also say barely animated. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's super. It's not the super. like the like stilted cartoon network <laughs> yeah. style of animation. But yeah, what have you been watching? What do so... you want to highlight this week? Because I took a break last week, I was able to watch some stuff this week I haven't. But um, I spent last week trying to watch as much stuff as I could so I could recommend sure. stuff for this podcast. And uh, <laughs> I still love Lovecraft Country. It's still really good. I mean, the third it's episode that good. I just saw. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. The second is... episode was kind of a mess. Like, I feel like it's going all over I the place. I liked it a yeah. lot. I loved the second episode yeah. because the plot just kind of ran like a wild horse. But it certainly the third ran episode <laughs> like a wild horse. <laughs> the third episode was also very good. Uh it's a good mix of science fiction and like what it how it sucks to be a black person in that era. Mm -hmm. But uh I also watched earlier and I want to recommend this earlier but I kind of forgot Project Power um was oh, yeah. on netflix it's on netflix and it's been number one on like netflix for a while but it only just i only just got around to like telling y'all about it 
it's not like it has a very interesting premise where like basically people can be super juiced up for about like what 10 minutes or 10 15 minutes yeah, with a drug a pill. right right yeah. with the drug it's very loosey like in the, a lot of actually a lot of other films have tackled mm-hmm. this idea i think of more like limitless which was the thing which also had yeah. like the drug with super becoming your yeah. superpower yeah. self yeah it was that one too um, which is now a TV series, um, yeah. but the the yeah the premise is there, but the characters are I think very interesting. I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I liked all of the different actors in it as well. Um, the I saw some criticism of this show saying that it doesn't really make full <laughs> use of the premise. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I agree, but it looks like there's room for a sequel, so hopefully we get to see that explored a little further. I like the idea it, that different people react differently to the pill, so they get yeah, different. Yeah, it's powers. very much a Netflix movie. I'd say like it reminds me of like, hey, here's a cool premise, and we don't like set any of this up <laughs> really well. Like we don't we don't really like really massage this narrative in a good way. But yeah, the idea of hey, you could get one superpower with this drug, or you could die. You know, like, there are consequences to it. Um, Yeah. The special effects Um, in this movie are really good, right? Like, it looks fantastic. It does look really good. Mm -hmm. It's just a good escape for, like, when you want something not super thinky. uh, (laughs) And you you just want to check out people, like, hurling weird shit at each other, I guess. But my real... (laughs) My real recommendation because i try to find something that people don't always know of uh this week is a film called it's a korean film called the witch colon subversion i don't Mm. know if you've seen that davindra i've heard Um, a lot of things about it yeah people are like buzzing about this movie it is it is pretty good it's a part one of what's meant to be i think a trilogy but it's not clear (laughs) what the filmmakers (laughs) plan to do with it yet it is also science fiction it's korean and similar to a lot of korean films we've talked about on this show it's about a sort of underdog-ish story but it's about sort of genetically enhanced or 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 sort of like nurture versus nature type of superheroes is won a bunch of awards mm-hmm. and uh, I can't remember offhand the names of everyone involved with this movie but I found it very good like the acting as always is very good the there are some twists that I won't reveal for you but it's um got a lot of very good action it's got very engaging plot that i found myself like stuck to the screen it's very rare that i'm stuck to the screen mm-hmm. um throughout a show nowadays so devendra you should check this one out i, I check it out it looks like really it. it looks super cool did you ever see the villainous by the way no what is Just it random random drop Ladies and gentlemen, The Villainous, perhaps one of the craziest action movies of the last few years. Just, Sherlyn, go look up the first 10 minutes of The Villainous. It will, okay. you know, kick your butt. It is fantastic. It's so much fun. It's also like Korean action meets melodrama Ooh. at some point, too. Like, it is both things, which is, I don't like one part of it, but I love the action part of it. So, recommend that okay. to everybody, too. Well, that's it for this week on the Engadget Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find me online at, at Devendra, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. And Sherlyn, uh, where can we find you? If you want to find me whining about how much work I have to do, I'm at <laughs> Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. When Sherlyn should be working and not tweeting, that exactly. is definitely where you can find her. Email <laughs> us at podcastengadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify.
Don't, Sherlyn. Has oh, wait. Surface oh. Duo. Oh. Come on. Come on. There you go. Uh, yeah, put phone on head. Let's put make phone them, on head. Can we make them touch? 